Tonight we're hanging with the boys. Yeah, we're going out. We're getting stupid and feeling proud. We're gonna make, make a lot of noise. Turn the music loud. Hands up for them real ones, them good girls, and them bill bugs. Everybody and welcome back to the Bill Buzz Popcast. I, of course, am your host JPC. With me, as always, the indomitable JJO, Johnny O'Mara. Johnny, how's it going? Arr, there he is. You said abominable, right? <laughs> yes, I did. Our big bear beast of a man. I call you a beast, Johnny, because you're in full-on beast mode. No sleeves for you today. Mm-mm, no, it's it's a uh, it's a nice rainy day. When it's rainy, I don't like I don't like wet sleeves on my body. Johnny, what a confusing fucking thing to say. You don't like <laughs> wet sleeves on your body? No. Now, normally, Johnny, on, an, on a normal, regular, plain old episode of Bill Buds, we would spend maybe 15 minutes examining this weird fucking thing you just said, but we do not have time today because we have with us a special guest. You may know him from Hello from the Magic Tavern, where he plays uh, a shape-shifting badgelet or something. Who knows? Uh, you may know him from the podcast Hey Riddle Riddle. We have with us the indomitable Adel Rafai. Adel, welcome to the Bill Buds podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Can I ask, uh, request even, that you sure. uh, lead me in as a Midwestern kaiju? <laughs> <laughs> I think in order to be a kaiju, you have to be at least 6'4". Fine. Uh, just... <laughs> That's fine. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm Thanks a big it. fan Thanks of the podcast. Coming. I've been listening since day one. I'm a patron. Ooh, so yes. Yeah, so you get all the secret episodes. So it feels good to to be on one of my favorite shows. It's exciting. And can I can I ask how do you like your sleeves wet or dry? <laughs> Honestly, if I gun to my head, green. Oh wow, envious. <laughs> yeah. Green sleeves, dude. From that commercial. <laughs> now, Adel, you're on the right track because this is a yeah. pop music podcast. And Perfect. I'm assuming that com- commercial was popular at least with you enough to remember it. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So we got to ask you. We ask all of our guests the same question. What'd you have for breakfast today? No, what is your <laughs> what is your relationship with pop music? Are you a pop music fan? Do you hate yeah. the stuff? Um, my so let's let's turn back the clock. Um, and let's talk about when I was a kid, I was obsessed with Weird Al Yankovic. I growing up, my mom would always play Patsy Klein and Willie Nelson. So that's what I grew up on. <laughs> like As a constantly. kid, I was obsessed with Willie yeah. My mom played Patsy Klein and Willie Nelson. So that was like the first music in my house was like Patsy Klein and Willie Nelson. Sure. So still, when like if I hear Crazy or Weeping Willow, like I get like a shiver up my spine. Um, but then eventually I discovered Weird Al, and that was like all I listened to. So I had almost all of his discography or cassetteography at the time, I guess. Yeah. And then it was a weird thing. I'm sure this has happened to several more people, but it was a weird thing of I was so into Weird Al and not any other music except for Willie Nelson and Patsy Cline that as I heard the songs Weird Al was uh, uh, doing a parody of, I was confused and my mom had to explain to me. I was oh, eight or nine. Yeah, sure. My mom had to explain like, hey, these he was doing a parody. This is the original song and he changed the lyrics to make it fun or funny. Uh, she also had to sit me down and explain that Michael Keaton was both Batman and Beetlejuice because uh-huh, I, did, sure. I didn't, I couldn't believe her. Um, I couldn't, and I wouldn't. <laughs> um, so I was very into Weird Al, and therefore I guess like top forty kind of pop and rock um, from the early nineties. And then when 
CDs came out, we got one of the first CD players. I remember my dad bringing it home and it was this monstrosity of a machine. And we had uh, Born to Run on CD. Oh, shit. And then the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles soundtrack on CD, uh, as for, as for what, my choice. What could that be? What could <laughs> what is that, that? Is that bu- busting out of their shells or something like that? Breaking yeah, and there's like pa- pa- the song Power, like Teenage Mutant Ninja Power. Like it's it's a very it's a very bad but very good album. And that album um, led to me just loving. So, uh, when I listen to a, an album or a song, I kind of tend to holistically absorb it and be like, how does this make me feel? How does this make me move or want to move? And then after a few listens, then I'll kind of examine the lyrics um, a little bit deeper and see what the story's about. Sure. But that led me to, um, the Ninja Turtle soundtrack led me to eventually buying the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers soundtrack, Jesus which Christ. has the song Trouble by Shampoo. And I think that was the first time where I was like, have you heard that song? So I, no, I, I did not know. How does Trouble by Shampoo go? How does it go? It's like, uh-oh, we're in trouble. Something came along oh, and it yeah, burst yeah, our yeah. bubble. Yeah, yeah. So I know it's that like song. it's just a very it's by shampoo, which they sound like they're two 14-year-old uh women. I don't I don't know who they are. Um, but that song was the first song where I was like, I unapologetically love this. Yeah. And if friends in grade school or whatever grade I was in heard me listening to it and made fun of me, I was just like I don't really care. Like this song makes me tap my toes, makes me snap my fingers. I love, I love the way the sounds. <laughs> and so, as I grew older, I very much am welcoming and tolerant and and uh, celebrative of all types of music. Sure, uh, metal, Garth Brooks, anything from metal to Garth Brooks. And so, both, current- both, both, by the way, have gotten hard passes from Johnny and I on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> But but eventually that led to me as an adult where I actively like I've I've been front row at a Katy Perry concert I've been front row at a Taylor Swift concert like I I legitimately love pop and I legitimately love those musicians where it's not it's not me being like isn't this funny that I'm sure. here it's like yeah. I I love this music and I think pop is so necessary where it's like yes I love Radiohead yes I love these other Nutri Milk Hotel and all these more like indie artists mm-hmm. but I feel like I need pop on certain days to just like get me out of bed get me moving get me excited and and moving my body versus like let me really dig deep into like Dylan man like yeah, that I mean, has its time and place but yeah, sure. but I feel like I need I need pop in my life and I love it that's what pop is here to do honestly and that that uh oh we're in trouble song that I feel like you could put that song into any episode of Scooby Doo during the chase sequence, and it would work. And I feel like I must have seen it during a Scooby-Doo 100%. Because uh, that's what immediately popped into my mind. Um, Adel used to run auditions at the Playground, um, for which is an improv theater in Chicago. Well, improv theater, that's being generous. Uh, it was a building in Chicago where improv happened, and used to run auditions there, and you would and play... never And it never once cast me. <laughs> what? Uh, well, Johnny, n- now you're pop casting Adel. So how does it feel? It's about fair play. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. We'll see how this goes. And if you do well, we could we'll have you on again. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say that Adel used to play Katy Perry's Firework to pump people up for that audition before before you did the audition. Like everybody just danced to that song for like 20 seconds. And it was a very, very like I only someone who unironically loved that song would do that. But I will say it really did pump people up. I mean that that's a song that pumps people the fuck up. That's a that's a fantastic song and a fantastic song for that specific purpose. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. I felt like that was just to get people out of their heads into their bodies. I'd also play one of my favorites to play is Chromio Fancy Footwork. 
um, which is just a very good song. Oh, I don't know that song. You, it's it's one of those songs where like as soon as you hear it, your body's like, oh, okay. we dancing. <laughs> also, Johnny, I should say those playground editions. I headed them up, but there were auditors who made the decisions. So, oh, I, I think <laughs> that I maybe got into one because that was oh, for like so the times that I was trying to audition. That was like the hottest thing in Chicago was getting into a playground audition. It was fucking impossible. That's news to me, and I can't tell if you're being sarcastic. I'm so, no. I'm, I'm so serious. No, you, when, when playground auditions were like announced, they would like announce the auditions. Mm-hmm. It was just like signing up for classes at I.O. There was a mad rush, and there was you know 150 spots and 800 improvisers in the city that all wanted to get one of those audition slots. I remember I missed, I missed one. I missed a couple of comedy sports ones, um, and I.O., I was lucky enough to like never miss class signups, but man, they, they all went fast. It was, it was a nightmare to do that. I remember signing up for five B's the first time around and there was like an email chain of like a, a group of people who were like, we all want to be in the same class. This is like the time it opens. Here's a walkthrough of how to sign up like mm-hmm. the quickest way. It was like speed running like <laughs> IO signups. <laughs> it truly was. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, Johnny, I, I remember having you and Liz in class and you that two was, are you two are incredibly funny and talented. So Well, thank you. I, I was um I I don't care about never making a playground team. I'll survive. I'd, I'd also <laughs> say I believe I'm correct in this. You were part of Theater Strike Force, right? I was, yeah. Which is Gators. maybe if you're not tuned into like the improv community, I feel like Theater Strike Force is maybe the biggest powerhouse in improv, like in terms of like the people who went through that program. It's it's pretty wild. It's a, it's like a pretty stacked um, group of alumni, I would say. So it's University of Florida, right? Mm-hmm. Gators, go Gators. That's their college improv troupe, right? Yep, yep. Some illustrious names. It is amazing how many people from Florida and Ohio end up in Chicago. And then it, it really is like there are certain like institutions that really funnel in a lot of great improvisers. And it kind of does bum me out that those don't exist kind of everywhere uh, mm-hmm. because it would be... You know, you find like your crowd um, for sure, but it is, it is always, it was always so shocking to me how many people were from Florida and Ohio here in Chicago. And basically now all of my friends here are just from Florida. This is basically just a slightly better version of Florida, I would say. Only slightly. (laughs) Only slightly, because how can you get better than the best? But no Uh, Wawa here. That's true. <laughs> Adel, <laughs> we do have water. It's in the lake. Uh, Adel, I, <laughs> I, love, I love the question. I love posing that pop music question to you because I could have, the same question I could have phrased as, hey, unpack your trauma for a couple of minutes and got the exact okay. same answer. <laughs> well, the song that was playing when my dad walked out was... Uh... <laughs> it wasn't that Born to Run CD? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he bought it to play he, he bought it to underscore when he left us I do I do also really love the idea the concept of a person that has only ever listened to Weird Al's music and just thinks he's the best musician of all time but has no concept that he's parodying songs or like doing different <laughs> s- styles and just thinks he's got like a lot of really funny original songs that's, yeah. that's very great to me it was it was interesting when people would talk to me at the time of like oh what do you think of like his originals versus the whatever and I'm like in my head, I'm like, they're all originals. Like, what are we, what are we talking about? Did, so we just covered running with scissors on the Patreon. Uh, is yes. that last? Is week? that out yet? Or yeah, it's yeah. I I found this out. JPC found this out while we were researching. Did you know Albuquerque is like a? It's not a direct cover, but it's like a style cover of a real song. Oh shit! That Albuquerque is one of my favorites, and that's Same. one it's my fiance knows every word to. Um, but it's like a what thirteen minute song or something? Yeah. What is uh, the 
Do we know what style or what song it's it's, aping? it's a if you I'll after this I'll like send you the link of the song. It's like it's called like Dan's Dan's Garage or something like that. This it's, sounds like a uh, Zappa song. It's not Joe's Garage, which is Zappa's okay. rock opera. Okay, also very good by the way. But it's it's basically a song that sounds just like Albuquerque, and it blew Johnny and I's minds because we did we had no idea that that was like a stylistic parody of another song. We just thought it was a weird rambling original. I was absolutely gobsmacked hearing it. I I like lost my mind and sent it to everyone I know, and everyone was like, "I don't care about this. I haven't listened to Weird Al since I was 12. First thing I'm doing after we're done here is I'm going to listen to that song. We are we have to put a pin in talking about Weird Al, but I guarantee no. I guarantee listeners he will come up a little later in this episode because we have to <laughs> move to the focus of our episode. Does put is, a pin in it? When we say we put a pin in it, is that uh, correlated to like voodoo dolls? I, I'm I, I, from Indiana, so I say uh, pin as in pen, but I mean oh, P E N. So mm-hmm, we're just stabbing mm-hmm. him with a bick because uh, <laughs> we will get back to Weird Al. Mm-hmm. But we have to talk about this album uh, that came out on, and I shit you not. September 11th, 2001. The biggest thing to drop that day. Uh, oh, uh, excuse me. P.O.D.'s album also came out that day. So it's a, it's a dead heat. Wow. To see. Did you really just say the biggest thing to drop that day? <laughs> Who did it best? <laughs> uh, but this is... It's wild that this album... I didn't even associate until I started looking this up that it came out on 9-11. This is Ben Folds' 2001 first solo album, Away from the Ben Folds 5, Rockin' the Suburbs. Edel... You brought us this album today, so please, yes. can you tell us, what is your experience with Ben Folds, and what's your experience with this album? Um, this album was, uh, w- when this came out, I was a sophomore in college, and this was right when I was sort of, I think in high school, I got into a lot of like um, rap and weird stuff like Jimmy's Chicken Shack and all these weird songs and albums and everything. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Yeah, What Do I Do was their uh-huh. big song. Um but I was my, my. I just, I just <laughs> never heard of anyone who got into that band. I've heard of people that have heard "What Do I Do," but never who sure, took the full sure. plunge into like listening to another yeah, one of their songs. Yeah, I, I have to admit, I had their albums um, <laughs> and listened to like uh, like a lot of old school, like Zeppelin. I guess it was sure. a lot of whatever I could order from. What was it? BMC Music Club. Yeah, twelve, C- 12 mm. CDs for a penny or whatever it was. So that was the that was sort of what made up my library at home was Silk the Shaka and all these weird things but then in college i got into good music that's where i discovered radiohead and uh, kind of uh, rediscovered and had an appreciation for the beatles and all this stuff so i was very much i had a local record store i went to at um, illinois state university in bloomington normal in illinois and i remember that cd being out uh that fall in 2001 and there was sort of like a staff picks or whatever it was where, where somebody oh, would yeah, write yeah. somebody would write a little blurb and be like, here's why I think you should pick up this album. I'm, you know, I'm one of the people that works here and here's my relationship with it. And here's kind of the history of Ben Folds 5 and all this stuff. So I remember I had really enjoyed Brick and a few other songs that I had heard. And really so enjoyed I, is a weird way to talk about <laughs> your experience listening to Brick. Well, well here's the thing with Ben Folds. Song fucking rocks! <laughs> Woo! Song rocks, Brick. Here's there's a there's a I can't remember the name of the Netflix show, but there's an amazing scene where Lauren Lapkus plays a character stripping to that song. It's very funny. Um, <laughs> she's oh like a stripper, God. and the only song she strips to is Brick. It's very very funny. That's so funny. Um, but I was I was very much kind of really digging deep into like appreciating and understanding music and good music and and really developing a taste. And Ben Folds was one of those albums that I that I bought on a whim based on an employee's suggestion. And it was one of the first albums I've ever owned where there was truly 
no skips. Like there was no song when it came on. I was like, "Bleh." Next, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I truly every time I put it on would listen to it f- uh, top to tail. So I was um, blown away by this album, and I feel like he, uh, as well w- with Brick and this album and most of his songs, he does such a good job of making. Um, bad situations and sad lyrics sound like happy and jaunty and like yeah <laughs> you're moving your body and all of a sudden you're like oh this song's about an abortion or this yeah. song, you know it's it's a very weird sneaky thing um and he's kind of our i feel like he's our generation's billy joel ish um I, yeah, I, just, I thought that while listening i was like oh this is this is very billy joel yeah i yeah. think that's a fair comparison yeah, I think he's he, with a sort of piano-led rock and a lot of ballads. I think he's kind of this hybrid Billy Joel slash Elton John slash uh, I don't know how to phrase it, articulate it. The the pre Bo Burnham, <laughs> like I feel like when you listen to Rocking the Suburbs, that song is basically Bo Burnham's whole personality. <laughs> For the, I, I love Bo Burnham; he's very talented. But that sort of like hyper awareness of like, yeah, I'm I'm a I'm a, not even a middle aged. I'm a white guy who has you know some amount of privilege and wealth and everything, and I'm singing about my awareness and all this stuff. I feel like that's very much um, Bo Burnham sort of aped that template. I, I think that that's a that's a totally fair comparison. Uh, the Billy Joel comparison is is also I think very fair. My my experience with Ben Folds is I have a, a brother who's three years older than me, and he loved Ben Folds Five. Uh, and so he was a big Ben Folds 5 fan. And then when this album came out, um, it was heavy rotation in our household. And it was something that my mom really enjoyed, too. And my mom and my older brother even went to see Ben Folds live uh, a couple times. And uh, they loved Ben Folds. And so it was one of those things that was like very... I didn't love everything that my older brother loved because he was like bright eyes. And I was like not into that. But Ben Folds and Ben Folds 5, I was like very, very into. And I don't even think at the time I recognized it as being such a weirdly specific thing because he's like a piano singer. And that was not... There was no other music I was listening to at the time that was like that. Yeah, absolutely. Especially in the sort of indie rock pop scene, like there's there's not a lot of piano led um, musicians. Yeah, it was a lot of like three piece, you know, instrumental outfits and stuff like that. Which is funny because that's what Ben Folds Five was. But the this album, it was I felt the same way. It was an album that I absolutely loved when it came out and I listened to, and then I would revisit it. It just became part of my like album lexicon as the years went on. Um, Johnny, now I know that you have a very different experience with Ben Folds, so would you like to share uh, how you found this album? Yeah, so two two things. First of all, I found this album by you telling me, hey, Adol wants to do Rock in the Suburbs <laughs> next week. Sure, um, sure. <laughs> but I, so I have a friend who is... Uh, super into Ben Folds and basically whenever we he, and we would drive he was uh, I was on an improv team with him so when we would go to festivals and stuff when we would drive when it was his turn to pick the music he would pretty much exclusively pick Ben Folds um, uh, so that's my main experience but then in researching I realized that Ben Folds did a few songs for the soundtrack for the 2006 children's animated film Over the Hedge. Yes, he did. And I am very familiar with his cover of Lost in the Supermarket because that's what it plays during the credits. And I had to clean that theater a lot of times. (laughs) (laughs) Did you you work at like AMC or something? Uh, Regal. Oh, nice. Who switched to Pepsi over the pandemic, which is bullshit. Wait, AMC Uh, is called Pepsi now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So that so that is my experience is listening to Lost in the Supermarket uh, four times a day every day for one summer, and then hearing um, occasional songs when Patrick was picking music on road trips. Now, Johnny, I, I guess I don't want to pooch it too much, but I think it's actually more fun if I do. Your experience of listening to that song, of, you know, four times a day over the course of a summer, and Patrick's music. What were your like impressions of Ben Folds? Would you say you liked it or you didn't like it? No, not a fan. Not a fan. Okay. No. It, no. <laughs> um, and I, I know I'm going to be the odd man out all episode, and I'm excited for that. I have a similar like. I had a friend in college who would anytime we drove anywhere, he'd put on like Moxie Fruvis, if you know uh-huh. them. And so eventually, even though like some of their stuff is fun, eventually I grew to like hate Moxie Fruvis because it was just my friend would just like cram that down my <laughs> ear throat. So I was just like, I-, I think I'm done with this band. So I totally understand if if you're not if you don't find it organically, sometimes there can be a weird, not weird, but there can be a um, rejection of it. It's also not really good driving music. I would say no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I would, yeah, I would, I would d- definitely agree with you. It, it's funny, Johnny, because as I was re-listening to this album, which I have listened to a ton of times, and I was very excited when Adel said that he wanted to do it on the podcast, I was thinking about you and thinking about how you were not a fan of Ben Folds. And for the first time I was listening to it from the perspective of, I was like, I wonder what someone who's not a fan of Ben Folds or doesn't really know Ben Folds would think of this. And it did not ruin my enjoyment of the album at all. But I was thinking about you thinking, yeah. I think this is hard to get into. I think that I think that anyone who's listens to this whole album and says not uh-huh. for me, totally, totally valid. But I, I we'll, we'll get into it. Well, I'm very glad. I have to say, I'm very glad because I was. There's a lot of albums I was debating between, and one of them was the Ween album, Chocolate and Cheese, which I'm so glad I didn't pick because that that's one of the most alienating albums of all time. I absolutely love it. But every single song is like the most dramatic departure from the previous one. And there's a there's like a song just called Spinal Meningitis that's like it's so it's such a weird album. But I'm very glad I didn't pick that if if uh, if you found Ben Folds alienating. <laughs> uh, a, a couple quick facts about this album. So this album peaked at number 42 on uh, the Billboard. He had some pre some albums after this that went a little higher on the Billboard. Uh, but again, it was released on 9/11, so it's just a weird. Yeah, what time do you for want, like America? <laughs> Uh, it peaked at number 42 uh, on uh, September 28th. It spent six weeks, only six weeks on the chart, but it did chart and it did chart on the Billboard Top 200. So it is fair game uh, for the podcast. And even if it didn't, uh, we would still do it because Adel picked it. Um, but let's go into this album. I believe it clocks in 12 tracks, just over 48 minutes. Um, so some longer tracks on here. Let's listen to a little bit of track one. This is Annie Waits. I like the little drum machine here. Yeah, it's very 2001. Uh, I'll also say that if you want to hear 
if you want to really date this album as come kept like being released in 2001, listen to the last like 10 seconds of all the tracks because they they all have little spaceship sounds and this kind of like one drum like machine loop part ending and it's it's just like it's such a 2001 thing. I truly There's is. a lot of like Casio keyboard samples going yeah. on. Yeah. Which is so funny cuz they're not present in most of the rest of the song, like it's mostly him and the piano, and then it's like, here you go. <laughs> yeah, it, it it totally feels that way, and it's I found it really funny when listening to it that I'm like, oh my god, a lot of these songs do feel like kind of timeless because they're piano songs, which are just yeah. like timeless in general. Then you get to the last ten seconds, and I'm like, you really wanted us to let to know like when this was being recorded. I love it. I feel like every here's the biggest compliment I can pay to Ben Folds. Uh, one every song i feel like every song on this album grabs me three seconds in like there's no song where i'm like waiting for the build or i'm waiting for whatever i feel like immediately i'm grabbed and then i feel like there's so much kind of sonic layering going on Mm -hmm. especially as the as the song kind of builds to it to an apex i feel like he's so good at layering and also these sort of underlying oohs and ahs and yeah it's almost like i feel like if he was born in the in like the 50s or something he would have been the number one sort of motown songwriter or something like there's such a there's such a classic sort of doo-wop undertone to a lot of his like um layering i just i I absolutely love it it's so good this song has that in it as well you'll 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 find those oohs and ahs on a lot of tracks on this but anyways especially with the um Ooh, like thing that's going on in the background is 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 very cool. I I also got to give it up to Ben Folds because I think this is a really strong introduction to the album. Uh, it's piano like pop, right? It's piano rock, and it does. This is a kind of more upbeat song, and it kind of rocks. I think it's a really good uh, starter uh, for the album. But lyrically, I've always been so impressed with uh, Ben Folds' ability to just tell a story. I think he's a really great storyteller, and this one has always kind of like spoken to me um, because it's essentially the story of a person who's waiting up for a person who's not coming right or and 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 you find out through the course of the song this is their thing like they do this to themselves and they say never again and then they're right back in the same situation doing it over again and just like the sadness of that really really spoke to me when i was a kid oh yeah this whole album is a lot of like teenage angst uh in the suburban format and then also a lot of transition from like youth to adulthood and then the transition from like adulthood to being irrelevant, yeah. <laughs> like like post retiring, like what is my life now? What is my purpose? What what do, what, what do I bring to this world? Um, and I feel like th- this song uh, t- to go off what JPC said. The there's that part where it says headlights crest the hill. The headlights yep. crest the hill, and it feels that portion feels so cinematic to me. Because it's like singing about Annie waiting for someone, and then it's like, oh, the headlights crest the hill. Is that them? Is it in my mind? Is just such a move has such a movie quality to it. Yeah. And then realizing it's not them, and she's still waiting. Like just very, very good. P- parts of this reminded me of um, two Beatles songs, "Don't Pass Me By" and a little bit of "Blue Jay Way" too. But um, yeah, like maybe he's been seriously hurt. That line reminded yeah. me a lot of uh, "Don't Pass Me By." Um, there is. It's I also, have several moments tagged of huge Beatles influence. So yeah, I th- I yeah, I common, had a couple. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's also we were talking about Billy Joel earlier, and one of my first notes for this song was, "This is this sounds to me like Billy Joel, like after he took a bunch of Ambien." Like, <laughs> so, so like oh, so. so Johnny, you have notes for this song? Uh, <laughs> did you send them to Ben Folds? Perk up. Uh, I couldn't boy. find. I couldn't find his email. Um, and I, I do. I there's. 
<laughs> the the little like incel twist at the end made me laugh too. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like so much music at this time had that like emo kind of backdrop yeah. thing to it, which is you know uh, nowadays we would call that incel. Uh, but but yeah, it, it's like the whole time it's oh we feel so sad for Annie because she's waiting and she's never like she's she's always getting stood up. It's never the guy of her dreams, and then it goes to his perspective and he's like. Wait for me, Annie. <laughs> like, but there's this nice guy right here all along that you've you been don't ignoring. Know who you are. <laughs> I was, I forgot to mention this, but I think this ties into my college experience. I forgot to mention when I first picked up this album, I was playing it, and somebody uh, who lived in Waterson Tower with me, one of the dorms, this guy named George, who was like a friend who we would all leave our dorm rooms open and walk in and out of each other's rooms. Sure. He came in and let me know. He's like, "Oh, this is the Doom Bed Folds." That I'm like, "Yeah," and he goes. You know why they were called the Ben Folds Five, right? And I'm like, because Ben Folds was the lead man, and there's five people in the band. And he, I, and this can't be true, but he told me it was called Ben Folds Five because it's almost like the, um, I forget the comedian's name. There's like a comedian who famously had a large penis, and he once was like in a competition to see who had a larger penis, and somebody told him like just take out enough to win. Um, <laughs> so this this kid said <laughs> it's called Ben Folds Five because he has. He, he famously has a giant penis and it's so big he has to fold five inches back in order to in, in order to uh, have any sort of intercourse so so for like a few months as a college kid I was like what a what a weird story like this is wild this guy has such a huge way <laughs> I always well. I'm so sorry all, to bring this up, but I had to mention it. First of all, I mean, no. If, and if you hear any more things from the playground, please bring them to the show because I think it's going to be very valuable. <laughs> well, the playground famously an improv theater. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, I had heard that he, the reason why he called the Binfolds Five was because there was only three of them, and he wanted to make it sound like more impressive. Like we're oh. the Binfolds Five, even though there are only three members. Or that's just like a fun joke. Yeah. Either way, we agree the name was to make him seem more impressive. Exactly. Either folding five inches of his penis or having <laughs> more bandmates would he fold it five <laughs> inches back so that his penis was pointing at himself or would he have to like johnny you know, no kind of... johnny no <laughs> the science doesn't work out <laughs> good... johnny, i was gullible i was gullible th- these are questions you'd have to ask the man himself uh and he's well, i'll, I'll, I'll yeah. add it to my notes <laughs> uh, okay so let's speaking of adding to the notes let's mm-hmm. reference our notes when we reference track two this is Zack and Sarah. So that is a little bit of the end there of Zach and Sarah. Uh, Adult thoughts? Absolute bop. This is, um, I feel like this whole album is good walking music. Maybe yeah. not good driving music, wonderful walking music. And I love in this song, especially the intro, Just it just comes on so hard. Like it, it comes on at gangbusters. Mm-hmm. And then there's parts where like, it sounds like he's playing the guitar almost like Hendrix 
Uh, he's playing the piano almost like Hendrix plays a guitar. Yeah. Like, like very fast sort of uh, fingering for lack of, I don't know the term. Um, so I really enjoy the, his his sort of mastery of the piano and what he's able to do with, with what it brings to each song versus just the sort of basic piano sounds that... Um, some people, Nor- Nora Jones, I'm looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> I remember in high school, uh, my brother's friend, Aaron, um, learned how to play this song on piano, play Zach and Sarah on piano and watching Aaron play this song on piano. I was like, holy shit, this is a hard song. Like you have to move so fast, uh, to play that way. And I, I don't know, I, I'm, we're not musicians, Johnny and I, so we will not get the words right, but it feels like the piano and his singing are like at two different tempos. And it just, it feels so like, it feels very difficult in my mind. I feel like playing the piano that fast while you're singing like a slower song feels fucking difficult. And it, it just, it makes me impressed every time I hear it. I don't know how people can do anything, play any instrument and sing at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, I heard that he plays all the instruments. So I think he has like a mastery of several, of almost all the instruments on this uh, album used, which is incredibly impressive. Well, I mean, that's why I, this was his first like solo venture away from the band uh, when Ben Folds 5 broke up. And it, you know, it's like... He could do all the other stuff. So does he need the other guys? It's like, al- I don't know. It's almost like when Paul played drums, and then people yeah. are like, and then people are like, "Is Ringo uh, uh, one of the best drummers in the world?" And Paul's like, "He's not even the best drummer in the band." <laughs> <laughs> Fuck Ringo. Uh, no, but I do love the song again. He's like, he's he's telling this sort of like really fun story of uh, it, it. This is one of like six songs on this album that references specific people in the title, which is like a theme for this album. It's all about like whoever these people are. But I'm, this song has so many lines in it that I just fucking love. Like uh, I, I love, she saw the light. She saw the pale English face, some strange machines repeating beats and thumping bass. Like that line has always just stuck with me. It's such a cool line. I read that this song is about the creation of acid house music. Oh, really? Um, but I don't know if the creators were named Zach and Sarah, or I don't know what's going on. But I just read a little blurb that was like, "This is this st- this is Ben Folds telling the story of the creation of acid house music," which I guess checks out. I really enjoy sure. just because w- whenever I bring it up, nobody remembers it because I I guess I'm a bit old, uh, thirty nine. But I love the part where he said Zach called his dad about layaway plans. Yeah, because I remember growing up. My mom would be like, do you want a toy or something? And then I'd point to something and she'd put it on layaway at oh, yeah. Sears or yeah. JCPenney or whatever. And that was such a Woolworth. It was such a big part of life was like layaway. And now I don't think that exists and nobody understands the reference. What did what replaced layaway? Because we were, we were a big layaway house too. Yeah, yeah. It, it's all it's all pretty much been replaced with credit cards because now you don't have to go through like now like Macy's has their own credit card there, so it's like yeah. instead of putting something mm. at layaway, you just buy it on your Macy's credit. Yeah, it's 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 pretty much the same, I think. Did, but. did you have to pay interest on layaway? Uh, that's a good question. I, I feel like they you must have, or maybe because you're contr- you're kind of um you're. Uh, contractually obligating yourself to buy this from this store maybe they forwent that i don't know i don't know i <laughs> thought maybe i thought it was just like it split it up into payments and you didn't pay interest but maybe you paid a higher total amount or something yeah i i, I hey we're really concerned <laughs> did they make money on layaway was layaway the biggest cheat i think the only store that maybe still does it is like rent a center or something yeah which again that's oh, sure. that, their whole their whole thing is layaway there and it's like predatory <laughs> layaway. Uh but yeah that's the, I mean the song takes place in 1984 cuz you know he's putting it in in the past so there's like the anachronistic layaway stuff. 
I also really always loved the detail of uh, Sarah spelled without an H and Zach without a C. Like I just, cause you don't need to know that, but it's just like such fun, like, oh, yeah. like character details about who these people are. Well, I always, when I, when I first listened to it for the first several years, I listened to it. I totally thought it was, cause I assumed the whole album was like his homage and, and celebration of the suburbs. And to me, uh, I never really, I don't think I ever lived in the suburbs, but knowing a lot of people from the suburbs, it seems like everyone who was white from the suburbs was desperate to carve out an identity. So that idea of like, my name is Zach without a C felt yeah. so just like dripping with like suburban, like I need to, I'm from the suburbs, so I need to like have a thing. And my thing is, <laughs> my name is Sarah without an H. And if you get it wrong, I'm furious. So I feel like that, that is what resonated with me, but I don't know if that's why he did it. Nothing was worse than having multiple kids with the same name in your class and having Ooh. to be like, oh, I'm I'm Johnny O. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. That has to suck. You had to differentiate yourself, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although Johnny O sounds like a Keanu Reeves character or something. So Johnny, I think Pe- Johnny O sounds cooler than just Johnny. People people call me that, and I don't know why. They, they'll think, just call me that. I think you have one of the best like name combinations, like first name, last name pairings. So I think to call you just Johnny is fine. To call you Omara is fine. But to, to combine them, it, is it Omara or, or Omera? I don't know. I say Omara, <laughs> but it might be just like an accent thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. Now, Johnny, is it possible that people call you Johnny Yo because you fucked the president that one time? <laughs> <laughs> Johnny Yo. <laughs> you know, I never really thought about it. <laughs> it's just a very, it's very satisfying to say all in one string, like Johnny Omara. Very, very satisfying. <laughs> Uh, speaking of very satisfying, let's uh, check out track three. This is Still Fighting It. Good morning, sun. I am a bird wearing a brown polyester shirt. You want a cup? Maybe some fries? The roast beef combo's only Okay, that's a little bit of the intro of Still Fighting It. So this um, this song, I saw him live, and he started to play this song and then stopped. So he has that part where he says, wearing a brown polyester shirt, you want a Coke, maybe some fries, the roast beef combo is only $9.95, which is one of my favorite sets of lyrics of all time. Yeah. It just, it just delights me to no end. Um, and he mentioned he, I swear he said Wendy's, but it could have been Arby's because the song seems to be describing Arby's. He said he used to work at a Wendy's and JPC, I feel like this is relevant to your MO and personality. He said he used to work at Wendy's. Um, and he, he noticed that they kept track of everything, like number of beef patties, number of, uh, uh, Coke, um, fountain drink holders, cups, whatever. They kept track of everything except for fries. So he would, every time he sold an order of fries, he would give somebody their fries and then pocket the cash because there was no way for them to track the fries. Sure. So he said he would just like be making hundreds of dollars a week just pocketing fries money and they never caught him. And so, and then it, it as he's told this story, the arena he was playing in erupted in applause of like, yes, hell yes. And then he went back into the song. So I thought that was something that was relevant to your interests, which is sticking it to corporations. I also think that Ben Folds is like, is I've never seen him live, but I've watched... I've done this for almost no artists. I've watched live footage from Ben Folds uh, shows because 
you don't just go to watch Ben Folds do the, you know, his songs. You go for like his banter, his personality. I feel like he he very much is like a very um he wants to make concerts special and he does that by like breaking apart songs to tell stories and stuff like that, which I think is a very cool thing for you to do as a performer and something that I think lends itself more to the piano rocker type of performer. Oh, yeah. I saw Tom Waits a few times. Oh, and yeah. He's someone who loves to he'll play a song and then he'll stop and he'll launch into like vaudeville bits. <laughs> well, like he, he was he was playing a song and it was it was like amazing. He's on the piano and then he's and there's a there's a vase with roses on his piano and he stops and keeps playing the piano, but stops singing. And he goes, uh, 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 roses on my piano is nice, but I'd rather have tulips on my organ. And like it took ten seconds for everybody to get the joke, and then everyone was like, "This is the best thing ever!" Like, <laughs> so I do feel like it, it is something that's like built into the piano type of like almost lounge singer, or like I'm gonna I'm gonna have a rapport and I'm gonna t- tell some stories and break yeah. things down. Like you're able to do that more with piano than any anything else. Uh, also something specifically that I love about this song. Um, I love, I, I'm a sucker for like songs that people write to their children. Like, uh, and this is very much like a son, like you're going to be older one day and have some, you know, perspective. And I, I really love that. But I, this song and a lot of songs on this album, I found myself as I was listening to it, it's been a few years maybe since I've listened to this album, I still knew every word to every song, which is very rare for me for any album, but I knew, I mean, and I was singing along with it, because when he gets to, like, um, the uh, 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 Sunny Days and Rain part, like, mm-hmm. in the, his the key changes, you just kind of want to belt that out with him. Like, it, it, I was sitting here listening to it, you know, singing It Hurts to Grow Up, and everybody does. It's so weird to be back here. It's like, like an anthem. Like you want to yeah. when you see it live, you want to sing along and you want to take out your lighter, or your phone. And I feel like these are every song on this album is not an earworm. It's an ear snake. Mm. Like it goes way Ooh. deeper than like you said. It's in my bones. Like when I put this on to listen to it, I was like, I know almost every word to. Like it's just yeah. as you hear it, you're like, uh, it's unlocking everything. It's really cool. This this one I think would be great live too because the chorus has like the it's got a great like build that's really like duh 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 like yeah I, it just like gets you pumped to be like yeah we're all here we're singing oh, this yeah. together yeah it's like step uh, going upwards yeah. on steps or something yeah it's so cool I looked up that Ben Folds was about thirty five when he wrote this album and I'm thirty two now but I was. Th- 13 when I fucking listened to this album. So it, it, it listening to this as a man around the same age as Ben Folds when he put this album out, I was getting like a completely new kind of read on what this album is. And it is that that line, it's so weird to be back here, is like him holding his child and being like, I was just a fucking child. Like, because I, I feel that at 32, I'm like, I feel like I'm still like, figuring shit out and i'm like but no i'm an adult who's like existed in society for a decade hey you're not figuring stuff out you have a a, you play the witcher on twitch (laughs) you you know what you're doing your job is video games and (laughs) podcasts you're doing great champ (laughs) that's true that's true uh okay are we fine to move on to the next song please okay so this is track four this is gone
duet. Yeah, yeah, I like that. And that is a little bit of Gone. Woo. I adore those tasty, tasty oohs. Like yeah, just so good. Oh, so great. I liked that. But this song had my favorite lyric on the whole album. Oh, please. The, the days go on, the lights go off and on. I thought that was such a cool way to talk about time passing. That's cinematic to me as well, too. It's like that time lapse of like yeah. you know, a, a house with like lights turning on in different rooms and people moving fast, like and then it's just like time is passing rapidly. That I, I, I love that image. Oh yeah. And this this to me feels the most sort of probably the most sort of teenage angsty out of all the songs in terms of like I can totally relate in high school of like writing a letter to someone who I was in a relationship with being like if you don't respond, like, I'll consider you gone. Like, I'm going to yeah. cut you out of my life. Where it's like, no, you're not. But also, like, who cares? Like, I don't know. Just just that when you're, when you're in high school or that age, just how melodramatic everything has to be. Where you're like, if, unless I'm... I've seen in the movies how people act. And so I have to replicate that and be... <laughs> stand in the rain and be like, whatever. Yeah. I that, that, the line, and I think that you should spend some time alone. But if you won't, then you won't. And it's like, oh man, I fucking, I fucking love that. Uh, and it then mirrored with, and I will consider you gone. Uh, but yeah, man, this is, it's a melodramatic song, but I also think, I mean, this is four tracks in and every one of these songs makes me want to sing along to them so far. And this is definitely one that you just want to like, you just want to belt like consider you gone. Oh, it's, uh, this song is so fucking good. I have to imagine this inspired Kelly Clarkson. <laughs> Uh, it, just the the person of Kelly Clarkson yeah. was inspired. <laughs> Not since you've been gone. Just yeah. the, the <laughs> Kronos the Titan pulled Kelly Clarkson out of his head after hearing the Ben. He took the Benfold Stone out of uh, vision. <laughs> uh, it, I, I've also um, this was a really hard album for me to pick a favorite on because, like I said, I fucking love so many of these songs, and it's I mean it's it, look it's it's almost an impossible task for me to pick a favorite. But I will say, I forgot to say, I think Zach and Sarah might be my favorite one on this album. I fucking love the piano part to, to Zach and Sarah. Um, but the, the, when I was redoing all my re-listens to this album, I got to Zach and Sarah's track two, and I was like, this is my favorite song. And then two tracks later, I'd be like, no, this is my favorite song. And the two tracks later, I'd be like, nope, it's this one. It's definitely this one. But I think I have to give it up to um, Zach and Sarah, because I, I, I truly do love, love, love that song. My two favorites... Um is the next song coming up Fred Jones oh, part two. Okay. And then also tied with that is not the same. I feel like those are the two, my two favorites. Well, let's listen to a little bit of a uh, Fred Jones, a part two right now. Taking his place 
not a dry eye in the house. Uh, Johnny's Johnny's eyes are dry. I'm sorry, Johnny's yeah, Johnny's eyes are dry. <laughs> yeah, he's I using did, I, line. <laughs> it, it was cool that he wrote a song about uh, Fred Jones deciding to stop solving mysteries with his friends and their <laughs> dog. Yeah. <laughs> He got this is a song about him getting fired from Scooby Doo. Yeah. The song is told from the perspective of someone who's just had their mask ripped off. And I'm sorry, Mr. Jones and company. Belma. I'm sorry. Company, you as well. yes, yeah. I would have got away with it if it wasn't for you meddling. So, um, the, this the reason, so- oh I was gonna say please, please. this song is so I am a and I think this harkens back to Patsy Klein. I am a absolute fucking sucker for sad songs for like yeah very slow ballady sad songs so like speaking of ween buenos target buenos tardos amigos is like one of my favorite songs um i love a lot of like tom mccray and like jeff buckley like just very like you you can't help but like well up emotionally when you hear it and i feel like this is one of those songs even though and this sucks for me to say out loud even though the backing vocals on this song is the lead singer from cake yeah, and Cake is my least favorite band of all time. So I Adel, hate I hate to say this guy's done something good. I specifically included that verse because the, <laughs> I when I looked up that the backing vocals were the lead singer from Cake, I was like, "Is it?" I had listened to the song a thousand times and I had not heard him. I had not heard that until I gave it a listen, knowing that it was him. And then I was like, "Of course, it's John McCree." Like, of course, yeah. it, his voice sounds so. Specific, What's his name? John McCree, I think. Or isn't McCray? that? Isn't that Bruce Willis's name in Die Hard? That's John McClane. Okay, man. same thing. That is so crazy because I'm a big cake head and I totally didn't realize that that was him. Yeah. But I fucking love cake. I, I, it's, it's funny because I, I didn't either. I've listened to this song so many times. And I remember that I couldn't go because I was under 18. Um, but my mom and my older brother went and saw uh, Ben Folds and Cake in concert at an 18 and over venue. And I was like, Ugh. can't we like try to, and I couldn't go. I was like, I was You're never maybe there. 16 or something. So like, yeah, it was, it was a real bummer. Let them see cake. Please. Is a, a fun, <laughs> fun motto that King and Queen might say. I have seen cake live. I've never seen, I've never seen Ben Folds live though, which is a bummer. Um, I feel like, and I, I know nothing about music. Johnny, do you play? I feel like you play something, right? I, I played like, I was in band in high school, but okay. since then I have not played. Anything. Um, I feel like, and I don't know what I'm talking about, and I don't know the terms very well, but I feel like Ben Folds is one of the only people I've heard, uh, uh, musicians, who does like an instrumental bridge. Like, don't, I feel like most bridges are like lyrics, right? Like a bit of a break from the song. I feel like he inserts bridges, but they're all kind of instrumental, fun, funky, like he'll add in a theremin or drums or like heavy beats. Yeah, I mean, I think that when you're like a piano player primarily, and he's a, technically a really good piano player, um, like technically proficient at piano, it maybe makes more sense to like really focus on piano and do like a crazy piano bridge. But I, I love him when he does them. Yeah. The, this also had a cool, I liked the strings in this song a lot yeah. too. That was really. And not for nothing, but it's lyrically, it's a great song because it's it paints such a vivid picture and it's so depressing. Like just every part about it, like the awkward young shadow that's like, he's this guy's getting fired from the paper and no one works there who remembers his fucking name because he's been there for so... It's just like, oh, it's so it's so sad. I love the lyric where it says, um, life barrels on like a runaway train where the passengers change. They don't change anything. You can get off, someone else can get on. Just that sort of like factory assembly line of, mm-hmm. of how they treat workers yeah. of like, you get off, now this new person's here. We're not changing anything. We're just swapping out. 
younger younger bodies like it's just it it seems so sad and pathetic yeah. <laughs> it truly is um all right well let's let's do a, a, an update a change of pace let's talk about the ascent of stan this is track six and this is all about how he got really into eminem mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> my tears gone cold i'm wondering why <laughs> i got out of bed <laughs> Yeah, that's like a purely like vocal bridge too, with without lyrics, which is wild. I love when he does he does this on a few songs with the piano where he just like really wails on these like yeah. arpeggios. Oh yeah. Yeah, the I wrote it down for this song specifically too, but like it feels like the piano is going so fucking hard and fast and he's just kind of like singing at a very orderly pace and it's just like it plays with my mind so much cuz it's it, I don't know in in a wonderful way. I feel like he's like tickling my brain. Oh yeah. I love the there's a part where it's almost like a church organ mm-hmm. pipes mm-hmm. in and then it goes into banjo which absolutely rips like the the banjo that's playing in the background rips and then it goes into and here's one of the 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 tags i wrote about the beatles and then goes into basically almost uh chord for chord being for the benefit of mr kite the beatles song it's like that soundscape kind of swirling that it goes into that chunk for like 10 seconds where i'm like i think he just ripped off for the benefit of mr kite but it's a very good song. And you caught him. And you caught him red-handed. Ben Folds, email me. We have a lot of things to discuss. Johnny has some notes for you. I feel like the, the, <laughs> the piano up top for this, like the lead-in is so banging. Like just, yeah. it comes on so strong. And But I will say when I first heard this, this used to be my least favorite song because the lyric um, textbook hippie man, just, I couldn't, I couldn't digest it. Like yeah. I was just like, ugh, I don't like the way that sounds. It seems like such a lame lyric textbook hippie man. Uh, it almost sounded like a, uh, which I love these people, but it almost sounded like a, they might be giants or something. Sure, <laughs> like, sure. <laughs> I, I had a note on another song where I was like, this music kind of sounds like if they might be giants, we're just kind of like normal guys. <laughs> <laughs> I always really like the line, uh, Stan, you wanted, you once wanted revolution. Now you're the institution. How's it mm-hmm. feel to be the man? It's no fun to be the man. I, I, I really yeah. like resonated with that song because I was like, yeah. And Johnny. Johnny, you're thinking of uh, they might be five foot eleven inches. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> terrible band, terrible band. <laughs> okay, can, can we talk about a uh, track seven? This is losing Lisa.
All right, that is a little bit of losing Lisa. Um, this is this was a breakup song. It's a it's a very it's a fun upbeat breakup song. Uh, but the the part that I played in there, which is the I am mesmerized by tiny lines. I'm watching as the shapes are drawing slowly from her eyes is such a fun, like cool, interesting way to describe like looking at someone as they're about to cry. Like you can just see them about to cry and then you can see the shapes drawing slowly from her eyes and then the black tears are falling down her face. I I really, really love the imagery of that part. And we have to assume, unless she had stigmata, we have to assume that black tears means her makeup was running. Um, and so her makeup is smearing down her face. Adel, I'd say that's where most people's brains go, but the stigmata thing also could be true. I've Black seen too many tears horror films. are spilling yeah. out her hands from those tiny holes. The, did, the chorus of this song was driving me crazy because it sounded so much like another song. And I've, I spent a lot of time figuring it out. And are, you, are either of you listening to Bell and Sebastian at all? Yeah. No. The chorus of this sounds so much like a part from White Collar Boy. White Collar Boy on the run from the law. And the, I was like oh, wow. losing my mind. That Wait. song came after, so they um, oh. they owe Ben Fold some writing credit. Wow. wow. Interesting. But it was like driving me crazy. Uh, this song is also... I've always been interested because this song is called Losing Lisa, but I kind of think he's at fault in this song from the way that it's sung. Like it's, It seems like... He did something and he doesn't like either want to acknowledge it or or he's okay with her leaving. And, and he's kind of just like there watching her cry and he doesn't really feel anything like the line in. Um, uh, oh, yeah. The line in verse four, which was, uh, but she's not happy now and I don't feel anything. Her lips are movement, moving and I am mesmerized. So it's like she's unhappy, he doesn't feel anything, and she's crying, and then she's leaving, and he's describing that as losing Lisa, and it's like, <laughs> you, I mean, like, yeah. Pushing, you, pushing Lisa. Pushing Lisa away, maybe? <laughs> Emotionally pushing Lisa away? Longer title? There, There's a lot on this that reminds me a lot of um, Postal Service and how a lot of stuff is, like, framed. Yeah. Um, which we, we kind of talked about earlier, but how it's, like, it's very much all centered on the 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 person singing or at least the protagonist of the song where it's like, how does, but how does this affect me? Yeah. Um, which I think is just of the time, but I, I had the same thing in my notes. Like it, this doesn't really feel like you're <laughs> losing anyone. <laughs> you're not remorseful. Um, you're going to be okay. I, the, I, li- I like the lyric, the black tears are falling and she won't say what I've done. She's sitting here beside me and then she is gone. Um, and I feel like that's so representative of like, especially in my youth, like yeah. not having communication skills. So like when I was dating someone and one of us were upset with the other, you would just like silently be miserable. And if yeah. they said like, what's going on? You would just be like, nothing, nothing. It's fine. Or, or whatever. And just being so closed off. And then like three days later, letting it fall out of you being like, I'm upset because of this. And it's like, it took you three, three days to build up to say that, like just ditch the immaturity and not having communication um, tools at your disposal is, is just very, it, it, it very much uh pangs my heart to hear this and the line at the end which is losing lisa and there's nothing i can do when it's like you just sat there like there's something sorry there's something you could have done like i I think bitten folds is also like good about picking a pov and like a perspective and writing a song from that lens 
Um, and it's it doesn't really truly feel like very often it's Ben Folds writing as like Ben Folds singing this song. It's I feel like a lot of the times he's like stepping into a character, uh, which will I think we'll probably get to on uh, a, you know a future song on this album as well. But this one very much feels like the this character that he's portraying here is just like does not know how to be in a relationship. Do do you something that I noticed in this song and a, a couple others, but this is the first one I noticed. Does it feel like he's bad at cursing? It feels my takeaway because there's a part under what song is it where he goes? Uh, he says asshole, but he's like asshole, and he says motherfucker and fuck. I uh, think, asshole Zach and Sarah. Yeah, I think to me the way I read it is like in the suburbs. If you're like a young white kid in the suburbs, it's such like a like I'm cursing or like yeah. I said fuck to my mom and it's you tell your friends or it feels so weird on your lips. So to me, it's almost like the awkwardness of cursing when you're a kid because you don't know. It's not coming from an emotional place. It's coming from like a I know this is not supposed to be said and I'm forcing it out of my mouth and it sounds yeah. it sounds weird and I can't make it sound cooler or or appropriate. So that's how I took it. But Ben Folds as a human might just be bad at cursing. <laughs> like when I heard it and I have no basis for this, I have no idea, but it felt like he, <laughs> I made this narrative in my head where he was like raised very Christian. So just didn't have a lot of practice cursing. And he's finally like, I can write my own music. I'm going to say bad words. <laughs> and like, Are, is there, because the, the part in this song and losing Lisa that I really love is that line. He has, does like a descending guitar thing when he sings shit just happens sometime. Mm-hmm. And I really love that line, which is like total lack of responsibility or accountability. Like shit just happens sometimes. It's like, Oh no, you're a bastard. <laughs> like that's not just, um, but I know that it's a specific choice in uh rock in the suburbs, which is a little later on when he does like his like big cursing stuff. Um, mm-hmm. uh, well, which we will talk about. Uh, but before we can talk about that, let's talk about track eight. Now, a uh, trigger warning for this track. This uh, track eight, Carrie and Kathy, is about a suicide. So I don't think I'm going to include anything about suicide in uh, this clip, but that that is subject matter in this song. And I'm um, sorry, what was the title of this song? This song is Carrying Kathy. Ack. <laughs> yes. Thank so you. So sorry. So sorry. I had to. Uh, apology accepted. Uh, okay. So this is Carrying Kathy. I feel like this song uh, gets on the album because Ben Folds is like eight songs in the album and he's like, oh, we haven't done like a horribly depressing song yet. Isn't that kind of what I'm known for? Like everybody (laughs) loves Brick. Shouldn't we put like a Brick on every album? Let's replicate that. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, because this song is just an absolute bummer. It's like, you know, a person who has mental health issues and they're with a partner who like does not know how to help them. In my mind, they're very young and they just are not equipped to it. And then the person commits suicide and uh, it's a fucking sad song. Oh yeah. This is this is one where I felt like it took inspiration from two Beatles songs. One, I feel like there's definitely moments of I am the walrus in here. And then there's a certain I can't remember what the lyric is, but there's one that really resonates with like it, it almost sounds like Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. That sort of like picture yourself on a boat in a river. Like that 
flow to it. Oh, is almost, yeah, that kind of seems yeah, very melody. similar. Mm-hmm. Um, this is one. This to me was very very sad, but it was also satisfying as uh, a college age kid. Where it's like the fourth or fifth time I listened to it, I realized Carrie and Kathy was not like I'm resp- not only like you know I have to help be responsible for her, or watch out, or take care of her, but also by the end of the song literally carrying Kathy in terms of like, he's a pallbearer at her funeral. Yeah. Like that was, that was like the, like a lyrical mystery where I, when I, when I felt so smart when I cracked that code, even though it's very clear, um, it was still something, you know, this is, this is not everyone used the internet constantly, uh, 1984, um, George Orwell, but it uh-huh. feels, it just felt very satisfying to be like, I connected what he's going for in terms of the, sure. the title. Yeah. That that lyric actually reminded me a lot of Eleanor Rigby. How at the end, like, oh yeah, they, they kind of meet up at a funeral too. Good call. The that line, the when her fathers and brothers were all at the funeral carrying a box to the rain. Then somebody says that it's always been this way. Always someone carrying Kathy. In my mind, I'm like, oh wow, that's like such a like beautiful and sad line. But if I'm at a funeral and someone's carrying the box, and then someone's like, you know, it's always been this way, I would be like, hey man, fuck you. We're at a funeral. The fuck are you talking about? You Don't whisper out open shit mic like shit? that to yeah. me. Why do people think they can tell me racist jokes? What about me makes it seem like <laughs> I want to hear these jokes? Your Indiana uh, hoodie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a lot a of this. <laughs> This song felt kind of like blamey to me, where yeah. it was like, you know, we've all been, you know, you've put this on us for so long. It's always been like this. Um, I, it was interesting that this song was called Carrying Kathy. The song before it is called Losing Lisa. Um, alliteration much? Yeah, I, w- I would have loved if every title was alliterative. And they almost were. Like, it, it, it almost every one of these titles has, like, a, a person's name in it. Yeah. Uh, so mm-hmm. just, like, he could have gone the whole way through. It just Suddenly Susan, <laughs> Grace Under Fire, yeah. Uh, okay, let's talk about track nine. Uh, this is not the same. <laughs> That's a little bit of not the same. Uh, that's so. That's tied with Fred Jones Part Two is my favorite song on the yeah. album, and that I would put this in my top five favorite musical moments in any song ever. The lifting ah uh, ahs mm-hmm. that just does it to me every like I get goosebumps listening to that. Adel, did you did he play this live when you saw him? Yes. Or did you see him play this live? Mm-hmm. So uh, I've never seen him live, obviously, but I've watched concert uh, footage of this song. And he asks the audience, he splits the audience into like low registers and high registers. Yeah. And has them sing that like ah part. Um, and it's very, very cool because like it makes such a beautiful sound when you have like a thousand people or 400 people or whatever, like singing that part with him. Oh, um, yeah. And it it's makes haunting. it haunting. Yeah. That's why I included it as like the a, a point where we could listen to in the song because on the on the album version that that's it's only in that one part, 
but in the live version, the song's much longer, and he has people do that like haunting awe awe at the at the end, which is very cool. I, I highly recommend uh, if you're into Ben Folds, there's an album called Ben Folds Presents University A A Acapella, um, and oh, it is cool. it's a lot of his songs sung by different college acapella troops. And it's it's very powerful to listen to just in terms of like all those oohs and ahs done by a by a acapella troupe are very, very impactful. Highly recommend that. One thing that I love about this song is it's I mean, again, it tells a really great story, but the story is from the beginning. But it's about a guy who takes some acid at a party, climbs a tree and comes down as a born again Christian. And this is a real thing that happened. But what's great about this is the the second line in here is you took a trip and climbed a tree at Robert Sledge's party. Robert Sledge is one of the other members of Ben Folds 5. It wasn't his party. It was the other guy from Ben Folds 5, <laughs> Darren Jesse's party. But Ben Folds was like, Robert Sledge has a cooler name than Darren Jesse. sounds better. So I'll put Robert <laughs> Sorry, Sledge's asshole. name in there. Yeah, I, I just love that little detail. Darren Jesse to- sounds like a truth or dare game of like, I dare Jesse to like that it just it's a sentence versus it a sounds name. like it sounds like a track that should be on this album. Yeah. <laughs> dare and Jesse and I don't know what to do. The, the lyrics of the song, my first thought was like w- once I read that it was at, like that was members of Ben Folds Five. I was like, did they break up because one of the members got too Christian? <laughs> that would be so great. <laughs> I love that. I despise religion, so I'm pro uh, breaking up because of religion. Um, I really enjoy the, the, it, after certain lyrics, there's like a bump, bump, bump that like accentuates yeah, certain lyrics yeah. where it's like, you gave your life, bump, bump, bump to Jesus Christ, bump, bump. Like, I just feel like that's so well-placed. I think you could without, I, again, know nothing about music, but I feel like listening to this album front You're to back. You're on the right podcast, by the way. I could, <laughs> I love music. I just don't know anything about it, but I feel like I could, I could play construct, the piano. I could play the piano. <laughs> From here, <laughs> and with help, um, but I could construct a song. Like I feel like he's so good and formulaic at writing songs that I could piece something together based off this album, just uh-huh. knowing structure and how to when to put in certain elements. Like I feel like he's so brilliant at just kind of piecing together what needs to happen in order to make this sonically enjoyable. Doesn't he now? Because again, my friend who was very into Ben Folds will talk about his concerts. Doesn't he like write songs kind of on the fly at concerts? Isn't that a thing that he does? I think he improvised a song when I saw him, but I can't. I couldn't tell you what it was what it was about or anything. Yeah, I do think if you listen to his like live stuff, he he, he improvises stuff in between. He riffs with the audience in between. Like it's very. It's like it's like a conversation with Ben Folds mm. mm-hmm. live, uh, which again is very cool. All right, well, let's let's talk about this, guys. This is track 10. This is the title track to the album. Uh, this is Rock in the Suburbs.
All right, that is a little bit of rock in the suburbs. Woo. It's so cool you played towards the end, which is one of my favorite parts where I, I, I don't know this for sure. I didn't read it. It seems like he's doing a dead on impression of Zach De La Roca, where he's like, y'all don't know what it's like being male. Like it's basically lights out Gorilla Radio yeah. where he does that whisper build, the, the Zach De La Roca whisper build. Like that is, seems like a one for one. I, I think it's supposed to be. It, yeah. it is, okay, good, good. It is so funny because we're 10 tracks into this piano rock album and this track and again, it does feel like a weird Al track that's mm-hmm. like parodying a style, the new metal style of music, which Ben Folds was like, I didn't like this kind of music. I, I, I did. I disliked it. I didn't want to write like a diss track directly to Corn and Lit Biscuit, but <laughs> I also didn't not want to write a diss track directly to Corn yeah. and Lit Biscuit. And if you watch the video for this, at one point he's wearing like the red backwards baseball hat. And like, kind of like rapping into the camera, which is Fred Durst. Like, that's just exactly what Fred Durst wore in like his video. So, and, th- it, and then the end is in the same room as the corn freak on a leash video exactly. with all the bullet holes in the wall. Yeah. So he's he's just like it. it it's <laughs> it's like he's doing an ironic like parody esque track. That is also his title track to the album. It also kind of still still sounds good, and it's like it's such a weird choice that I I love this song so much for that. I can't. I don't know if it's just this song or the whole album, but I saw online that uh, it says "Rocking the Suburbs" was produced by I think the lead singer of Fuel. If you remember Fuel, that sang "Hemorrhage," oh, and yeah. was kind of part of that new metal esh uh, rise. So I think he either produced just this track or the entire album because everything just says "Rocking the Suburbs," but it doesn't distinguish album or track. I prefer the version from the Over the Hedge soundtrack that has the William Shatner verse uh, personally, but. There's a William Shatner version of this? Yeah, from Over the Hedge. Oh my god, I have to I have to look on Spotify <laughs> and listen to this. That's that made my day. That's delightful. Does he talk it or does he sing it? I, I don't remember. It's <laughs> I did I didn't re-listen for this, but cuz um, I know he does like ordinary he does pulps ordinary people um or common people, what's that song called? I don't the know. The pulp song, but he he does a version of that and it's like very talk heavy where he's like I want to live like common people do. Like <laughs> <laughs> he's really leaning into his voice um there, I, there were a couple lines in this that were funny the some producer with computers fixes all my shitty tracks and then the part at the beginning where he's talking about just listen to my listen up to my new cd was yeah fun the, um, if you watch the video too it's like a pretty funny video like yeah. he's he's at the very beginning of the video, it's just his face like for a, a few beats, and then he wiggles his nose, and you realize that his face is on like a piece of plexiglass, and he's just like <laughs> wiggling his nose on it. I I found that just very funny. And I also the, I never realized he looks like a like a poor man's Guy Pierce. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I the the the, uh, the other thing with that line that some producer with computers fixes all my shitty tracks. Weird Al literally is in the video in the production booth and he like turns the uh, shitty up and the cool or shitty down and cool up and it fixes the song. I thought that was a very funny joke. Very funny. The I I will say I kind of had trouble with this song because it feels like it's he's kind of like winking and and, and it's like ironic, but then he's also not really providing any like commentary so it doesn't feel like he's like winking enough he's just, it's just kind of like ah oh, isn't it shitty to be like a, a middle class white guy in the suburbs anyway <laughs> he does yeah i agree with that where it's like it could have gone a little bit deeper but I, I do i do appreciate that he dunks on these people but you're right that mm-hmm. there's not a ton of 
uh, there's not a ton of commentary on it, but I do like it better than because around this era, around like late 90s, early 2000s, something I hated that arose was there was a lot of white dudes with guitars who would like sing gin and juice and stuff like that. So they'd be like, isn't this funny that I'm singing this rap song as like as as me with a guitar and making it acoustic. So I do appreciate that he didn't do that, that he it, it was more. Well, it was more he saved that for. For bitches ain't shit. Uh, he, he, ben, ben Folds did that? Ben Folds is ben, the oh, one who, no. who popularized and, that. He popularized and he that. says no. all the words. Yeah. He says every single one of those words in that song. Yeah. This sucks. And, you know, it's know. funny because I've heard that, and that always did not sit well with me because it was like, uh, oh, the joke is like, I'm on a piano, but I'm saying yeah. all these like goofy uh, rap words. But then there, Dynamite Hack has that cover of Boys in the Hood. Yeah. That was like really popular around this time. And to me, that song feels like we just like the song and we want to cover it. Yeah. And it's not like a joke. Yeah. And the Ben Folds one was always like, oh, this is Fuck Ben. I oh, that sucks so bad I, to hear. I didn't I, I never did, did, did I, I did read though that last year, twenty twenty, he said, you know what? I'm not gonna do this anymore. <laughs> it took him that long. Well, no, it was just because there was a pandemic. He wasn't doing love shows. Fifty-four <laughs> year old man. Well, I, I, I bet. Like, I, as far as I know, he was one of the first to like do something like that. And I think he probably regretted that being a cultural thing that just kind of like spawned from you know maybe not necessarily from him, but that did spawn. But in, in my mind, like the 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 deep as deep as this criticism is going is him being like. The perspective of fucking Fred Durst and Korn like singing the song about how hard it is to be them. It's like it's such bullshit because they have nothing to complain about. And Ben Folds is a person who's like, I'm doing piano rock. Like I obviously don't have anything to complain about, but like the fact that you're so pissed off all the time, and yeah. it's like for what? For for nothing. It it was also weird that he did choose to like so hard parody the Rage Against the Machine sound, which I would not put in the same category as them because yeah. they're like pretty pretty like active protest music yeah, versus like Fred and Tom Morello is like, like a political right yeah. it's like he doesn't care he's just break shit and Tom Morello is like a legit f- guitar phenomenon versus you know the the guitar player for Limp Bizkit or something the guy with the uh, the black eyes <laughs> I, I guess I also yeah I remember Contacts, yeah I guess I also did not remember this song being like five minutes long but it is a it's long a doozy song. pretty long yeah I almost feel and I could be wrong I almost feel like there's two paths that sprung forward and diverged from the song. And one is like Macklemore, where it's like, (laughs) I'm a white rapper singing about thrift stores, but I take myself 100% seriously. And the other road is like what I mentioned before, like Bo Burnham, where it's like, Mm -hmm. I'm a white, wealthy, privileged man, and I'm going to make this pure humor where I am acknowledging how funny this is and my lyrics are going to reflect self-awareness 100% of the time. I also think it's funny just in my mind to imagine like people of the time being like, oh yeah, man, like Ben Folds and Fred Durst, they have beef. Like, those two guys are like, they won't even talk to each other. They well, won't that's even, like, yeah. They won't even talk to each other. That's like Eminem and Christina Aguilera are fighting and it's like, I think MTV created that. Like, <laughs> Make me sit next to Ben Folds and Fred Durst. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's talk about, let's talk about track 11. Uh, this is a song called Fired. Make him wonder who he folded his dick for first. <laughs> JPC, keep that in. <laughs> I 
All right. That's a little bit of a uh, of fired. And he just goes kind of crazy on piano here. Fired, fired. It's not the last track of the album, but it kind of feels like a last track of the album to me, right? He's oh, like, yeah. he's firing yeah. everyone. He's walking away. Like it's, it's, it's. It just feels like a very la- last track heavy energy here. This is a this is a great walking song, very much like walking and like making finger guns as you pass people. Yeah, sure. um, it's just very upbeat. And yeah, I love I love the juxtaposition of like super upbeat, snap your fingers, tap your toes, but the lyrics are like every one of you is fired. Like I just love he does that very well. I think. Yeah, this is another one where he really goes to town on the piano in a very fun way. This reminds me a lot. Have either of you played Fallout Four? Mm-hmm. I have. One of my favorite mm-hmm. songs uh, in that game, and maybe one of my top hundred favorite songs ever, is by Bob Crosby, Bing's brother. <laughs> Not a sentence I ever thought I'd say. <laughs> it's called "Way Back Home," and I feel like this has that same sort of like jaunty "Way Back Home" oh, Bob yeah. Crosby song. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I, I just love this song. It's just like it has the same kind of energy of "Rock in the Suburbs" about like being pissed off and just wanting to walk away from things and being like. Fuck you. I don't know if this is like a song that he wrote about. There are some, some, this is his first solo album after leaving Ben Folds 5. And there feels like there are like Shake Your Booty While the Band Complains and songs like this, like Every One of You Is Fired, where it kind of feels like he might be writing them about like his his old band. But Taking uh, digs, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. This one's also about Fred Durst. <laughs> Yeah, so Fred Durst was the fifth member of Ben Folds Five. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, um, I, it does feel I I do want to back you up and say this should be the last song on the album, uh, the luckiest, this the last true song. That one feels almost out of place on this album, where it's very very sincere. It's almost like a like a junior high prom song or something. Like, and I know it was written for his wife. Um, but it just feels a little out of place on this album, even though it's a beautiful song, very very nice song. It does feel out of place, and especially as the final song. Well, let's let's talk about the luckiest. So let's listen to a little bit of uh, of the luckiest now. Next door. So I, I feel the same way uh, about The Luckiest, too, because it's it feels out of place like on this album, but there's no... I don't know that there's a better spot for it than the last track of the mm-hmm. album. Like, fair you, enough, th- fair it, enough. I don't know that you can kind of put this song like in the middle of an album. Yeah. Um, 
So, so don't get me wrong. I'm glad it. I'm glad it's yeah. on here, but I just it does feel a little out of place compared to the rest of the songs. Some things about this song. So that last verse that we just uh, heard was was one that he like rewrote when he um, decided to put this song on this album. He wrote this song for a movie called Loser, and it was hmm. supposed. To, he basically said he wrote like they had already filmed the movie and he wrote the song for like all of the camera moves as the camera was like spinning around the couple at the end who was like kissing and they're supposed to fall in love. And he wanted to make like this song about being like that they were going to end up together. And you could hear that in the lyrics, but you wouldn't necessarily know it in the movie. And he wrote and shot and positioned the whole thing for it. And then they scrapped that scene from the movie and they were like, uh, what do you want to do? And he was like, no, just scrap the song. Like I won't use the song there. And so then he added this like verse about the old couple that dies like, right after one another um, and then added that song to this. He's also said that this is the song that will outlive him. He said that the number one thing that he gets when people meet him is that they were married to the song or they this song is part of their wedding. And as he's telling this uh, to the guy who's interviewing him and I watched an interview, the guy who's interviewing him was like, my wife and I danced to it this song at our wedding. And it's like, of course you did. Because everyone in that 10 year span did. Yeah. Like this was this, on every wedding playlist. I DJed my sister's wedding and so I 100% played this song. And when I did, everyone got up to slow dance. Because I think if you're under 45, I think this song is basically our collective uh, You Look Wonderful Tonight. Yeah. Like what 45 and older, what what Eric Clapton's You Look Wonderful Tonight is for that generation, the, the luckiest is for everyone under 45. The, this song reminded me a lot of... Um invisible string the taylor swift song oh yeah Uh, Yeah. like especially the part where like if i had been born 50 years before you and you pass on your bike what i know that that felt very invisible string to me johnny i don't disagree but i will say what you just said uh what if i'd been born 50 years before you in a house on the street where you live maybe i'd be outside as you passed on your bike would i know that to me sounds like a description of leonardo dicaprio's dating life yeah He's 50, a girl rides by on her bike, and he's like... No, he's 100, <laughs> yeah, she's, 50. she's 50. You don't know when thank this you, takes place. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> uh, it's, it's such a funny thing, because it's such a lovely song. And then, like, in 2021, like, if you're just singing a lovely song, and it's like, what if you were 40 years younger than me? Like, Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, go. I, I also... So I, I read that... I didn't know the thing about the movie, but I, I read that he also wrote this for his wife at the time. And I was like, oh, that's nice. And then I found out that it was his third wife. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I found out that he's been married two more times after that. <laughs> and I was like, oh. Well, okay. you know, these albums don't write themselves, Johnny. You need fucking material, dumbass. Like, what are you thinking? <laughs> his new wife might be 50 years younger than him now. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe that's what the Ben Folds 5 is. <laughs> Five marriages under his belt. Oh. Now he's done. <laughs> he, he finally <laughs> this one's gonna stick. He finally takes a deep bow and is like, that's what it was the whole time. The marriages were inside of you. And then he, he disappears into a mist of suburbs. I do love this song though. I think it's so beautiful. Um and it is like I don't know, I, I get a little like emotional still listening to listening to the luckiest because I think it's a very a very gorgeous song. Yeah, I feel like in in a world and in an industry where like the word love is overused mm-hmm. and baby and all, all these words that that sort of pepper a lot of love songs we know. Luckiest is a word you don't hear a lot where it's just like, I feel so lucky to be with you. Like that's such a such a cool, authentic uh, yeah, sentiment. I agree. It's such a cool, authentic sentiment and it's not a word that's ever used a lot except for Lucky Boy's Confusion. Wasn't that a band? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> but it feels like something you would say 
uh, a non-musician would say to their partner of like, yeah. I feel very lucky to be with you. You make me happy. Like that, that kind of sentiment. So I really like that. Uh, I will say we're not, we don't have to play it um, on the show. In fact, we won't because it's not on Spotify, but there is a bonus track um, to this album that was on the Japanese release, but I was a huge Ben Folds fan. So I had the, um, I, you know, at that point it was most likely torrented, but I had the torrented version, which had the Japanese uh, release on it as well. And it's a song called Hero Song about, I believe a Japanese man uh, named Hero who's 51 and is going through a midlife crisis and leaves his family for the secretary. And that's a very, very fun song song and i i'm a little bummed that it's like a bonus track on this album because i feel like singing a song from that perspective would have made put like some context to rock in the suburbs but anyway if you have some time go onto youtube and listen to hero song if you enjoyed the rest of this album because it's it's a fun song love it and please listen to albuquerque (laughs) yeah do you have any jelly donuts we're out of jelly donuts dude i can't wait for you to hear this other song you're gonna lose your fucking mind for real after this recording will you text me the the link or the please thank you so um i I do want to know though adel so you brought this up you brought this album to uh to the bill buds johnny and i are going to in a moment place this on our or not place this on our top 100 and and recommend it but we got to know from you do you recommend this album and then for you yeah. Where would this album be in your like top 100 albums of all time? Cool, cool, cool. Uh, I highly recommend this album. I think it holds up very, very well, better than most music. And again, I can't say, I can't stress this enough. It is like a heavy stone next to a lake. No skips. This album, front to back, top to bottom, is so listenable. And I would say in my top 100, I would put this in my top 20 for sure. Um, I'm going to say I feel comfortable putting this at number, I'm going to say number 18. Number 18. Johnny, yeah, have we ever had 18. a guest uh, put, put an album at number 18 on their top 100 we, before? We have not. Wow. Congratulations. You've claimed that spot. Ooh, thank you it's so much. Such an eclectic <laughs> list from guests with their top 100. <laughs> I, I will say absolutely if I can recommend this album. Like I said, I know every word to this album. It's been an album. It was a pivotal album for me, and it's one of my favorite Ben Folds albums. There, there are no skips. Every song on this album is good, and almost every song on this album makes me want to fucking sing out to it as well. Like I, I, I truly mm-hmm. just want to like belt out. So it's like the Bayless Thanksgiving dinner. No skips. <laughs> <laughs> He's not allowed. He knows what he did. He sucks because he sucks. Yeah. Um, But I'm definitely putting it on my top 100. I I kind of agonized over uh, where I was going to put it. At first, I was like, you know every word of this album, JPC. Like, don't bullshit yourself. Is it going to be in my top 20? But it's it's also an album. Like, it's a piano pop rock album. I think I have to be, like, in a very specific mood for it. And so now that I'm putting, like, mood into it, I don't think it quite makes top 20. I think it makes top 30, though. So I am going to... Johnny, I, I, this is a number that I feel like I have used before. I want to put this at 28. You are extremely lucky. You, you Ben Folds gets number 28. And you are the luckiest. I am, <laughs> yeah. I am, I am the luckiest. Okay, cool. Ben Folds, welcome to 28. Uh, congratulations, buddy. You did it. Johnny, what do you think? Do you recommend it? I can't wait for this. <laughs> Here's the thing. I think I just completely missed the boat on this guy. I didn't hear it at a pivotal time in my life. I heard it when I'm a 32-year-old man kind of doing my shit. Which is funny because he wrote it when he was 35, most likely for 30-year-old men. <laughs> I don't, yeah. You're the I don't, audience. I, I don't think I would recommend it. To me, this album went down like a sleeve of saltines one or two uh on their own of these tracks is fine but getting through the whole thing is like 
it was tough. It was dry. Um, I'm not going to put it on my top 100. I, I just can't. Love that analogy. It went down like a <laughs> sleeve of saltines in that it did not go down. <laughs> I, I, you know, I hate to say it, but I don't think I'll probably ever listen to this album again in my life. I mean, unless you and I are on a road trip together. Uh, <laughs> hey, I, th- that's fair. Like I said, when I was listening to this album, I realized I was like, you know what? It caught me at a specific time. I don't even know that if I'd never heard Ben, Fol- ben Folds before, if I had put it on now, I would be into it. But man, I, I do fucking, I still love this fucking album. I think they say that your your taste buds change every like eight years or something. Um, so like if you didn't like eating tomatoes, check back in eight years later and you might enjoy the taste. I feel like that's also true with music. Because I remember like, I used to love Juliana Theory <laughs> and like rocking out to that. And now if I listen to it, I'm like, no, thank you. So I feel like, Johnny, check back in after eight years. See if it hits you a different way. Because uh, I feel like musical chase, taste do change. But I appreciate your honesty. And I appreciate you listening to it um, for today's episode. Well, okay, it's settled. If none of us are married in eight years, <laughs> we'll come back <laughs> and listen to this album You know, again. most likely won't be married in eight years is Ben Folds. Or he'll be on the next marriage, <laughs> if, if history is any indicator. <laughs> I wonder if he keeps, for every marriage, he like repurposes the song. And he's like, I am the luckier and then it's like I am the I am the most luckiest. Like he keeps having to add in addendums. Uh, Adel rocking the Deborah, <laughs> dude. That's when he's like seventy and he has to do like birthday parties because he can't afford medicine. And he's yeah. like, oh, he's boy. he's playing the Ray. Re- uh, Everybody loves Raymond reunion show. <laughs> I'm rocking the Deborah, Deborah. Adel, um, where uh, where can people find you? <laughs> Just uh, like Ray Romano. <laughs> Is there anything that you would like to plug? Yes, I uh, like JPC mentioned up top. Please check out Hello from the Magic Tavern and Hey Riddle Riddle podcasts. Also, as I said, Bill Buds is one of my favorite shows, and I highly recommend you check out their Patreon um, because it's great content. So I would I would like to please say check that out. Perfect. If the guest pushes people there, then we don't have to, and that just works out <laughs> great for us. Uh, so I will say we tip our hats, Edel, to you. Oh, before we tip our hats, <gasps> by the way, what? I forgot to mention up top. You're now an official Bill Bud. Welcome yes. to the squad. Being on the podcast makes you a Bill Bud. So from Johnny and I and Adel, we all tip our hats to you and wish you a fond farewell. Tonight we're hanging with the boys. Yeah, we're going out. We're getting stupid and feeling proud. We're going to make a lot of noise. Turn the music loud. Hands up for them real ones, them good girls and them Bill Buds. Real, real ones.